And my, my main thrust for teaching is for you. And that's the truth of the matter. But at the same time, as you obviously should know, I mean, I'm the one that's getting blessed as well. I mean, I always have a desire to preach, as I heard one minister say this years and years and years ago, to preach from the overflow, meaning it's so real to me that it just flows out of me to you. See how I'm saying that? And so anyway, um, and obviously we've been on this, this teaching on what manner of man is, uh, uh, what manner of man is this for several weeks now, for several weeks. And we've talked about Jesus operating in love. We've talked about Jesus operating in authority. And we've talked about Jesus being a man of prayer. And now we're on Jesus is always faithful. But I believe God had me go this direction because he knew exactly what we're going to be facing right now. What this church is facing right now. And I tell you, um, without a shadow of a doubt where I'm concerned, this has so ministered to my heart and helped me so much. I want to thank you. I know you just started coming here. You just moved here. But I thank you for bringing all those scriptures. She took all the scriptures. The very first service she was here on the faithfulness of God, printed them all out, brought a bunch of them for the ladies, right? You can bring more. <laughs> so anyway, it was just so good to have all the scriptures that I had shared that day, wrote them all out and gave them to us. So I have that on my desk as well right now. So we can go back and rehearse those scriptures and go over those scriptures. And the reason I'm saying that is, and you're going to see this during this study, I cannot impress this upon you enough. The importance of us as a church body, us as Christians, to feed on God's faithfulness, to feast on God's faithfulness. It will completely change us in our walk with God. Are you hearing me? I am convinced of it. So anyway, we've been, we've been talking about looking at the different attributes and the different, uh, uh, the way Jesus lived his life while he was here on the earth. And as his followers, the way we should be walking and living upon this earth. Do you understand we're called to be walking billboards? Advertisements, living advertisements for the Lord. People should look upon us and they should see Jesus. I mean, in everything we do, the way we respond to things, the, when we're going through challenges, when all of hell is breaking out throughout the world, when it looks like the economy might, might be going under. I mean, thank God it's not right now. But, you know, obviously those things come and go and up and down and all around. When there's wars breaking out all over the world. How should we as Christians be responding? People should look at us and say, wow, they're, they're acting differently. Well, everybody over here is crying and weeping and gnashing their teeth and freaking out for a lack of a better way of saying it. You're, all, you're, you're remaining in peace. In fact, you've got a big smile on your face. Why is that? Jesus. Because of Jesus. Our lives should point to Jesus. Amen. And the only way that's going to happen is if we do things the way Jesus did things. And I cannot emphasize this to, to you enough. He is the one we're called to imitate. We're supposed to be like Christ. And he has given us his spirit. And he has given us his word. So that we're able to do just that. Jesus did what he did when he was here on the earth. By the spirit of the Lord. And by faith. He heard what the father say and he turned around and did it. And that's exactly the way we're supposed to live our lives. I want to live a life that is always pleasing to God. 
You know what? I've come out of a lot. Most of you have heard my testimony. I've come out of a lot. And I know without everything inside of my heart, everything that's in me, I want to please Him. I want to please Him. And the only way that's going to happen is to live by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And the only way I'm going to be able to do it by faith is if I find out what the Word of God says. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. you got to have this in you before you can operate in real Bible faith. Are you listening? And so I believe that we're on this for a big reason because we are supposed to be making a major impact in this Gallatin Valley for Jesus. I don't want to be just like any other church where people come in and people go out. People come in, people go out. And their lives never change and they're not making a difference. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in taking it out to the neighborhoods and into the community. Because there's so many people out there who need what we have. Do you not believe that they need the Jesus that you have? And it sometimes is amazing to me how people are hesitant to talk about the Lord or share Jesus with others. Well, if you have a problem because, you know, a lot of times you're intimidated because I I don't know if I can share the scriptures. I don't know if I know the Bible well enough. Well, let them see by the way you live. Let your light so shine before men. Amen. We should go around differently than those in the world. And they should look at us and want what we have. My life should be different. And I know this. I know this. Oh, I know this. The, the, the pull of the world is so stinking strong. We live in this world. We live in a sight and feel world. And if you are not convinced that as a Christian, you're not to live by what you see and how you feel, but instead you're called to live by faith, then you're going to find yourself gravitating toward the things of the world. Why? Because we have a flesh body that always wants to do what's contrary to the spirit. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm on this, but it's, it's good. Hallelujah. I want to be more like Jesus. Have I arrived? Oh, my goodness, no. But I'm on a journey to get there. And by His grace, the good work He's begun in me, I am confessing He's going to complete and perfect right up into the day of the Lord. And that's what I believe for you too. Amen. Praise God. Well, anyway, we've been talking about Jesus and how he was always faithful to do everything that God asked him to do. Jesus was reliable. Jesus was dependable. Jesus was trustworthy. Jesus was always faithful. And we looked at several scriptures that talked about his faithfulness as well as the overall faithfulness of our God. And again, I just want to impress upon you the importance. Spend some time rehearsing, meditating in, and confessing God's faithfulness. Amen? Now, last week, last week, we took the time to look at the lives of who? Abraham and Sarah. And how both of them are held up to us as people of great faith. In fact, as we saw in Romans chapter 4, Abraham is actually called our father in the faith. And then we uh, uh, saw how Sarah has a spot reserved in the great hall of faith as listed in Hebrews chapter 11. 
And from that account in Romans chapter 4 and from that account in Hebrews chapter 11, we saw that Abraham and Sarah were able to receive the promised son from God, despite the fact that both of them were beyond the childbearing age, and plus the fact that Sarah had been barren all of her life. Now, if we were to just base our understanding of Abraham and Sarah upon those two sets of scriptures, it would be easy to label them as a mighty man and woman of God who both always operated in such a high level of faith. But we took the time. And we went back into the word of God. And we looked in Genesis 17. and Genesis 18. That both Abraham and Sarah. Didn't start out that way. Did they? We saw. That, the, uh, that both of them. When they first heard the promise of God. They did what? They began to laugh. And it wasn't a laugh of joy, and it wasn't a, 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 life, a laugh of thanksgiving. It was a laugh of doubt and unbelief. In fact, I want you to listen to these scriptures once again. Genesis eighteen twelve. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Does that sound like faith to you? And then Genesis seventeen seventeen. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He was laughing. It doesn't sound like the the persons we read about in Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 11, does it? They're laughing in doubt and unbelief. So what does that tell us about what we read in Romans 4 and Hebrews 11? Now I want you to catch this. It's important to hear this, understand this. So listen up. That means that both of those accounts are of Abraham and Sarah after they got into faith. Did you hear that? Both of those accounts Or of Abraham and Sarah after they got into faith. Now, you may not fully understand what I'm saying here right now. But my friends, that should greatly encourage every single one of you in this room today. Just because our initial response to the promises of God is not one of faith, doesn't mean we'll never be able to get into faith. I mean, if Abraham and Sarah could go from a place of laughing at the promise of God to actually receiving that promise, then there's hope for every one of us. Hallelujah. What we have to understand is that every time we hear a promise of God, our minds are going to automatically kick in and begin to evaluate and and calculate The possibility of that promise coming to pass up against what we're currently facing in our lives. And if our mind's conclusion is contrary to what the Word of God says, then that's going to become the biggest obstacle we have to overcome in order to move out of the room of doubt and unbelief over into the room of faith. So how do we do that? 
How do we go beyond this threshold in our minds and out of the room of doubt and unbelief and over into the room of faith? Well, how did Abraham and Sarah do this? Turn with me once again to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to see what the word says. But before we read this, I want to remind you, Abraham and Sarah's initial response was the, uh, 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 to the promise was one of doubt and unbelief. How can this possibly happen? How can we possibly have a, a child? We're way past the age for having a child. And they began to laugh. But Hebrews 11, 11. The Bible says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. So what does this mean? That means after all of the laughter and after all of the doubt and unbelief and all the questions that they had, after coming to the conclusion, how can this be? We're both too old to have a child. There's no way this can happen. They didn't stop there. No, no. The Bible implies that after all of the laughing and carrying on, And after all of their questions, Abraham and Sarah sat down and began to consider the faithfulness of God. Oh, I'm getting happy up here. Mm, Glory to God. 1 Samuel 12. 1 Samuel 12. Verse 24. It says this, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. Now notice the last part. For consider, consider what great things he has done for you. Friends, I firmly believe that after Abraham and Sarah first heard that promise from God, they began to laugh and reason in their minds, how could this possibly be with both of us being so old that instead of stopping there, siding in with their minds, conclusion that it couldn't be done, something else happened. Something that enabled them to go from the room of doubt and unbelief over into the room of faith. They sat down and began to consider what great things the Lord has done for me. They sat down and began to consider the faithfulness of God. Praise you, Jesus. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. I want to take a few moments now and look at just how faithful God was in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. Now, here in Genesis chapter 12 is when God first spoke to Abraham. At the time, his name was Abram. Verse 1. Now, the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. So here we can see some of the promises God made to Abram. Number one. He promises to show Abraham. that He he promises Abram that he's going to show him a land. Number two. 
He promises Abram that he's going to make him a great nation. Number three, he promises Abram he will bless him and make his name great. And finally, number four, he promises Abram he will make him a blessing. Did you see all of that in those scriptures? Now, based upon these promises, I believe it's kind of safe to say that while Abram and Sarai were living with mom and dad, they didn't have much. They didn't have much land, if any. They weren't blessed, and their name wasn't great. Otherwise, how could make God make them something they already were? Do you hear that? So God's first promise to Abram and Sarai was to leave out from their parents' house, and when they did so, he would show them a land. I want you to look at Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, for as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And There he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Glory to God. So Abram and Sarai obey God. Step out in faith and they leave their family behind. And as they're moving along, not really certain where they're going, all of a sudden God says, stop. Now look out. Look out. All the land that you can see, from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, all the land you can see is now yours. God had fulfilled his first promise to them. He had shown them a land. Do you see that? Now look at verse 10, Genesis 12. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now, do you understand when a person goes through a famine, especially one that's labeled as severe as it was in this case, the end result is usually far worse than when you first start out? Isn't that true? Well, notice the very next chapter, Genesis 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was, what? Very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So God first promised Abram that he's going to show him a land, and he did. Then he said he was going to bless him. And even though they went through a severe famine, he came out of it very rich. Very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. God had blessed Abram and Sarai just as he had promised. Now God had also said that he would make Abram a blessing. Look at verse 5 in Genesis 13. Lot also, who went with Abram, 
had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Now I'm convinced that the reason Lot was so blessed as, as he was, and he had all of these flocks and herds like he did, is because of Abram. God had made Abram a blessing in the life of his nephew, Lot. Now look at Genesis chapter 14. Starting in verse 8. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of that place, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim against that king, <laughs> she's their names, title king of nations, Amphraph, that person too, and Ariah, king of Elisar. Dear me, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions, and they went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram uh, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Anur. Woo! And they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his, now get this, 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. 318 guys, you got that, got that number. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. So here we have Lot and all of his possessions being taken captive along with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And guess who comes to the rescue? Abram. Abram goes after him. He defeats and plunders the warring kings who had taken Lot captive. And Abram not only returns Lot and his family safely back home. But he also returns all of his, their possessions. So not only was he made a blessing in the life of his nephew Lot. But he was also made a blessing in the lives of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And how many understand that when you go out. And you whoop four armies that had just whooped five armies with just 318 men, your name is going to be great among those folks. So what I want you to see here is that after Abram and Sarai heard the promise of God that they were going to have a son, and their minds began to calculate and evaluate it up against their current physical condition, they came to the conclusion 
How can we possibly have a son? We're too old. I'm barren. We know they didn't stop there. The Bible tells us that they took the time to judge him faithful who had promised. The Bible tells us they began to consider what great things the Lord had done for them. I believe that after all the laughing, I believe that after all of the questions, I believe that after all of the doubt and unbelief, Abraham and Sarah sat down, sat themselves down, and they began to talk with one another. I can hear Sarah now. Abraham, do you remember when we lived with your parents and God first spoke to your heart and told you that if you moved out from your family, he'd show us the land? And so we packed up our stuff, said goodbye to everybody, and we headed out, not really certain where we were going. Then all of a sudden, God said, stop. Look out. And all of the land that we could see, God said he was going to give it to us. Abraham, God was faithful to do what he said he was going to do. And remember how God said he was going to bless us? Abraham, when we left out from home, we didn't have very much, did we? And do you remember that famine we went through? I mean, it was a humdinger. And yet through it all, God made us very rich. With livestock, with silver and with gold. Boy, God sure is faithful. Woo! Just ministering to my heart, I some stuff. Remember old Lot, bless his heart. Didn't really have much on the ball, did he? But once he got with us, his cattle. And his possessions began to increase right along with ours. Abraham, he was blessed because of you. You were made a blessing in his life, just as God had promised. Do you remember the time Lot and all of his family were taken captive by those warring kings? And how you went out and defeated them and rescued Lot and all that they had? And you did it with only 318 men. Now when people hear your name, they stop and listen. God has made your name great. Oh, he's so faithful. Well, the same God who showed us the land. And the same God who has blessed us. And the same God who has made us a blessing. And the same God who has made our name great. Glory to God is the same God who will give us our son. He is faithful to do what he has promised. That's what I believe they did. They began to meditate upon the good things the Lord had done for them. They began to remind themselves of God's faithfulness. Hallelujah. And it was at that time, at that time right there, that they went beyond that threshold of, and out of that doubt of, of, I mean, that room of doubt and unbelief, over that threshold into the room of faith. And it was at that time that, that she received strength to receive a child. And glory to God, they had the promised child. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
You will be faced with things just like this. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You will be up against things that seem impossible to you. God will ask you to do something. And in your mind, it will begin to, to weigh that up against you and your abilities and your, what you're currently facing. You will have an opportunity right there and then to side in with those thoughts. But if you do, you remain in the room of doubt and unbelief, know this. You will not get what God has promised to you. And it's not because God doesn't want you to have it. It's because you're still over in that realm of doubt and unbelief. And anybody who's in that realm, in that room, is not going to receive from God. So what do we do? What must we do? We must sit down. And we must begin to consider what great things the Lord has done for you and me. We have got to begin to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. The God who brought me here upon a word. Go to Bozeman. Start this church. The God who has blessed my life so immensely. The God who has made me a blessing. Oh, thank you, Lord. I, am, I remind myself all the time of what God has done for me. But I tell you what, I need to be doing it all the more. God is so good to me. I've shared this with you before. I, what I've done is I took a, it's not a three by five. What, what size is that? Well, what is it? Four by five, and I don't see it in here. I know it's in here, but anyway. But I wrote down on it, consider what great things the Lord has done. And I went through, and I just began to list them. All the way down from just, for, for example, setting me free from a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. Calling me into the ministry. Allowing me to be a youth minister for 15 years or more. Calling me to be an associate pastor. Calling me to be a youth minister. Calling me to be a children's pastor. And then God called me over here. Bless me with this church. Bless me with you. God bless me with a beautiful wife. God bless me with beautiful children. God has done these things over and over and over and over and over again. Everything he's spoken to me has come to pass. Why would I now start to doubt him? Has he weakened? Is he no longer as strong? Has he diminished in power? Is the devil able to keep him from fulfilling his promises? I believe that my God is faithful. He will do what he has promised me in my heart. He will do for you. What he has promised you in your heart. 
If you find yourself doubting, don't take that as a something's wrong with you. Abraham and Sarah doubted to the point of laughing when they first heard the promise. But they did not stop there. They stopped. They sat out. Consider the faithfulness of God. And I guarantee you, if I know by the way Abraham was, Sarah was, pretty soon they were standing up. Pretty soon they began to shout. Pretty soon they're probably dancing to jig glory to God. Hallelujah. Something goes on. Something happens on the inside of a person. When you begin to do these kinds of things. See, again, God isn't going to ask you to do something that you can do in and of yourself. What God asks you to do will always be impossible to you. And so, in my, from my vantage point, that makes me happy. Because I don't have to figure it out. All I got to do is trust. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. My my own understanding ain't going to get me through this. But you will. I trust you too. You've always come through for me before. You're going to come through for me right now. My God is faithful. And he will do the exact same thing for each one of you. There are some of you I know have probably been standing for certain things for a long time. Believe in God for certain things for a long time. I'm going to tell you a little secret here. Do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. We're going to get into some more. Talking about this next week. When we come back together. Because there's something we need to be doing. Not just before we get over into our adventure of faith. But during our adventure of faith. Listen to me. I want to say this once again. One of the things you must do. And again this is the way I do it. Whenever God speaks something to me and I'm stepping out in faith, I like to write out a petition. What I'm believing God for. Based upon this Bible. And I go and I, pull, I, I print out, I write it up. I print out all the scriptures that's, that's, uh, based, that I'm basing my, you know, my faith is based upon. I got it all before me. And then what I do is I come together and these two can attest to it. Casey and Cassie can attest to it. Mark can attest to it because they were there. And we all stood and we came into agreement and we released our faith. Hallelujah. And then we took communion together. Seal the deal. Now, when the doubt tries to come, it ain't going to happen. Just because we're not seeing it happen here in this natural realm. It seems like it's not happening, Pastor Dan. Who cares? I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. The truth of God's word. And then all I got to do is pull that back out. Remind myself what God has said in his word. Remind myself that the God who made those promises to me is a faithful God. And I can just start to rejoice. Are you listening? Get in the word. Find out what God has spoken to you about. Whatever it is you're believing him for. Write it down. Write the scriptures down. The Bible talks about the fact of meditating in the word. I'm speaking to somebody in here. I'm trying to help you realize. Just to say I'm going to do it isn't going to get it done. You've got to make sure. It, faith 
comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I can, a lot of Christians think they're in faith and they're not. You've got to get the word. Get in the word. Find out what God has said. Stir it up, then release it. The moment you release it, then all you've got to do is keep standing. And keep standing. And keep standing. And even if five years later you're still standing, know this. God is still the same God who promised it to you. And God is faithful who will bring it to pass. Amen. See, we get so caught up in the time thing. I, 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 I need it to happen tomorrow. I need it to happen next week. I, I, I just need it to happen right, right now. And, and then a lot of times when that day comes and it hasn't happened, missed it. They throw it away. I remember um, Brother Keith Moore talking about this one time when he was first starting out living by faith. And him and his wife got the scriptures they began to believe God. They released their faith, stirred up their faith, released their faith, and believed God for a brand new vehicle. And they said, we're going to, you know, they were all excited, and they, you know, because they just learned about faith, and they were all excited and stirred up and released their faith for the vehicle. But they added this, and we're going to receive it by the end of next month. Well, the days drew closer and closer to the end of the month. And as they drew closer and closer to the end of the month, still no vehicle. And then all of a sudden, you know, the day before they were supposed to receive, you know, they're believing to receive this vehicle, still no vehicle. Well, it was drawing later, more and closer and closer to the end of that time. And he said right up until 1159 at night. They're standing and they're believing God. They're waiting for that phone to ring or somebody to knock on that door. But guess what happened? Hit midnight. And the next day came. And you know what the two of them did? They let go of it. It didn't happen. We must not have been in faith. Well, what did Brother Keith do? He said he got with the Lord. He said, Lord, Lord. He was crying. And God thought we were in faith. I thought we did what we were supposed to do. We had scriptures. We did this based upon the word of God. And 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 and. and, and we didn't get what we were believing you for. And he said, what happened was that clock. Nowhere in the word will you see that you're supposed to base uh, receiving for me upon time. With God, there is no, th- God doesn't operate in time. Are you hearing me? And, and what ended up happening is, but Brother Keith and Phyllis realized their mistake. And, they, and God was so good and so gracious to them. He inspired them to stir themselves back up. Because even though they had let go of their faith, all they had to do is step right back in and grab a hold of it. Say, no, 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 we're believing you for this, God. And that's what they did. And I don't remember the time frame. I don't know if it was another year or two or whatever it was. But not too much longer down the road, someone said, God spoke to my heart. Come with me. I'm taking you to this car dealership. You pick out any car you want on this lot, and I'm buying it for you. Has anybody ever done that for you before? Now, you might say, well, 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 well will God really do something like that? Come on. There are people out there that, I'm telling you, they get a hold of these things. I mean, I, I, I know the one... Uh, um, Pastor Robert Morris down in Texas and I don't down in the Dallas area. They, they have so many people in their church that just give away cars constantly. 
Just they go and they, every year they just like giving away cars and giving away houses and giving away things like that. I want to have a church like that. We've started, we've had people in this church give people cars. Ha, ha, ha. I've given away, I think Jonah and myself were giving away three or four cars. Now, I got to admit they weren't in the best condition. But at the time, we had not really had, and I'm just be keeping it real. I mean, we always take care of what God gives us. But we sowed them into people's lives. But it seemed like whenever we sowed, well, here comes a car our way. I mean, we had that happen all the time. Glory to God. I mean, the, that minivan we drive, we went into the dealership, paid cash for it. How many people have ever done that before? It's kind of fun to be able to do something like that. Now, am I bragging on me? No, I'm bragging on my God. God, the God who did that for me is the God who's going to bring my next vehicle into my life. Hallelujah. The only issue I have right now is I can't determine what I want. And I'm just keeping it real. There's, there's so many different vehicles. out. I want a, a midsize SUV. And then, of course, my, my, the one I always say in here, that that's going to be kind of like a sidecar once my kids, you know, they're out and they're able to make it on their own and all that good stuff. Is that black vet fully loaded. Have you seen the new vets? Oh, dear Jesus. I know we ain't supposed to covet, but my goodness gracious, it takes everything for me not to want to covet. <laughs> Could you just see me pulling up in that black vet? <laughs> ah! I could leave. I could leave my house. At, it takes about fifteen minutes in the minivan. I could leave my house at one minute till. Boop! Hello. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm getting. I'm, I'm digressing. <laughs> Hear me now. Remind yourself, God's faithfulness. Stir it up. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will always do what He has promised. He's always reliable. He's always dependable. He's always trustworthy. My God is faithful. Amen? Glory to God. Did you get something? Is this good stuff? Isn't it awesome the way God brings these wonderful revelations out to us? And again, next week we're going to continue along the same vein because there's some other things I want you to hear about because I believe it will help you tremendously. These are things that are going to help us become not only able to go higher in our walk of faith, but also to help us become faithful as Jesus was faithful. Amen. I want, to be, I want God to look upon me and say, Daniel, I can count on you. You're reliable. You're dependable. You will do what I'm asking you to do. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you not want God to say that where you're concerned? Taps you on the shoulder and say, Kelby, I want you to turn around and I want you to go back there and I want you to bless that person with $1,000. And Kelby says, yes, Lord. Goes, does it. And because of that, God knows that he's faithful to do what God's asking of him. God's going to keep pouring it in their lives. Keep pouring it in their lives. God's going to do that with every one of us. As long as we're quick to obey when he speaks to our hearts. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you that this is a rich word, Lord. Help us by your spirit to get this revelation rooted deep in our hearts.